0: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits to be with us, to help us in our efforts on this day so i reach out first to your ancestors to all who lived well and died well back through your ancestral lines and i call out to my own those who lived well and died well back through the ancestral lines in my in my own bloodlines i call out to these people all the way back to the first man and the first woman i call out to these people all the way back to when we were all one family because of course we all our one family even now so I call out to these ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives and I ask them to help us to open to that legacy to listen to feel it in our heart to know it around us as support and to come into our lives in a way that gives us the courage to do what is right to give us the courage to do what has heart and meaning in our lives to give us the courage to find right motivation for that which we do and to find in our lives the creativity so we can find right action to align with that right motivation. So we ask our ancestors simply to help us to do what the living are always challenged to do, which is to live well, to live in a way that is good for all living things. So I call out to the ancestors that can help us with this to gather around us here today to give us strength of heart and inspiration in our minds to do what we have come here to do. So with the ancestors gathered round and our great gratitude for their energy surrounding us, let us focus our awareness in for the moment, into our minds, coalescing our consciousness and drawing it down into our hearts, and from our hearts down to our bellies, and let us reach our energy down and touch the earth. And in our first greeting of the earth, which may not be your first greeting today, but in this moment of greeting the earth. Let us reach our energy out to the earth and give thanks. Give thanks for life, for the great diversity and beauty and wonder of life. We give thanks for the absolute awe, for the miracle of life. We give great gratitude for the honor of being a piece of this amazing web of beauty here surrounding this incredible planet. So we give thanks to the earth for this as we reach our energy down taking responsibility to ground ourselves in this day we send our energy down all the way to the very center of the earth allowing our gratitude to flow out into all layers of the earth on our way down to touch the very center the very core of the earth and as we reach into the very center of the earth and accept it as it is We draw this energy up into our life to draw into our lives the wisdom of manifestation that we might understand how to be here in form in a good way. We draw this energy up into our lives that we might use this energy to cultivate a grounded way of moving through the day that can anchor our understanding and and interpretation of what is going on. We ask the energy of the earth to help us to create a sense of hearth and home in our life, and in particular, to create one that is open to the other, always welcoming in that which we do not yet know, that which is different from ourselves, that which brings to us possibility we could not conceive in the shape of the stranger. So we ask the energy of the earth to help us to continue in our growth and our understanding of how to be truly connected within ourself, to our emotional body, to the wisdom of our physical body, and to our souls longing in this lifetime to do what it came here to do. We ask the earth to help us to extend that connection into the interconnectedness with other things, with other living things, with our environment, with other people, and with other beings that don't have form. We ask the energy of the earth to help us to move into this great sense of interconnectivity that is the oneness of all things and to allow that oneness to resonate within us, even if just for a moment, that we can truly align and come into right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with the world around us. So we ask the energy of the earth to help us To live well, here, manifest in form in a way that we give back for all of the resources we consume in each day, that we give back beauty, we give back nourishment, we give back that which can help life flourish in its many forms. So with the earth within us, in our bellies, resonating with why we are here, let us draw this energy up to our heart and from our heart to our mind and from our mind out through the sky and whatever weather this day holds for you, out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos, reaching all the way up with gratitude and gratitude in our hearts all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you know this energy name it see yourself in it and it within you and draw this energy down drawing into yourself into your day into these proceedings all the wisdom of the cosmos drawing down this divine blessing drawing down protection as an innate state of being we draw down protection We draw down devotion and generosity and commitment and we draw in inspiration and illumination and those things that can help us to remember simple ideas like the fact that no matter how bad it gets, there will be a new day. And so we call this energy in, drawing it down from the layers of the sky into our head, into our heart, into our belly, and send it all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, through you as a human, through me as a human, we become the place in which heaven and earth, these two great lovers, come together. They touch, they relate, they love, and in that way, we are filled With this loving energy and let that love, the big love of the cosmos, awaken our heart into its true loving nature. Not a small, selfish human love, but the great capacity of the human heart. Let the big love of heaven and earth awaken that within you so that your heart opens wide and strong and full and clear. And it opens and becomes this place that can draw up whether it wants to come or not. Draw up the fiery passions of the belly that have within them this deep, deep movement of why you are here. And to pull down the crystal clarity of the mind that can look around the world and decide, how am I going to do this? So we draw this energy down into the heart and let these two energies dance like great lusty partners. Dancing together and giving birth to this third energy that has never been seen before, unless by you. For this is the energy of your unique soul's purpose, the unique genius you bring into the world. And may you sense that today and reach even deeper into your heart to find that strong human courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring your gifts, your purpose into manifestation in your world and in your life. And may you reach out around you to feel all the support you have for that and to give gratitude that you are not alone in what you have come here to do. So we give thanks to the energies above and below and all around us. We ask that what needs to be said be said here today, and what needs to be heard be heard, and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I also want to thank those wonderful spirits choosing to be embodied right now as humans, and in particular the humans named Joni and Lydia, Sarah, Deb, Bradley, those of you that have been able to donate financially to the show since we were last on the air, I give great gratitude to you for it is with your assistance that these shows are available in many places on the internet free to anyone who can get online. And this is, this is a great gift that you are assisting me in giving. And I could not do it and I would not do it without you. And so it's very real, this, this gratitude and the fact that we do this together. So I have great gratitude for those of you who can donate financially. Some of you have figured out through your own PayPal account that you can set up a monthly recurring payment and then you don't even have to think about it. But any amount is welcome, large or small. So if this show moves you in any way, if it moves you even to irritation and frustration, which today's show might do, I still ask you to notice that you've been moved in the heart. And may you act on this, this most fundamental of shamanic understandings that true power is mediating through the, through the heart. So it is those things that motivate our heart that need to then motivate our actions. So I ask you to do something large or small to help the show to grow in its reach. Um, helping to connect out to the world so others find the show and can listen to bringing it into your journey circles into your own journeys into your life whatever it is whatever you do to help the show to grow your questions your show ideas all of these things keep it alive and well and relevant and um, keep it the gift that it is to those of us who are here now wanting to understand how to do our life differently, that the world that moves from this time and this place is different than the world that we lived in before. So I thank you all greatly. And I thank um, Ken at Co-Creator Network for supporting us technically and uh, producing the show and doing all of those things that without assistance I couldn't possibly figure out how to do myself. So we are live today. You can call in at 512-772-1938. You can go to the co-creatornetwork.com site and um, connect through the Skype link there if you want to Skype in. And you're also welcome to simply email me at christina at org. And if you want to um, donate to the show but you don't want to do it via the internet, you can... Um, Connect to me at the same email, and I'd be happy to give you a regular old-fashioned mailing address for a regular old-fashioned check. So today, um, our show is about how do we redream our life. Um, so that's that's the question for us here today, and and it's really looking at so where do where do we begin? When all that matters in life is tattered and has fallen apart and is crashed at our feet. It's a shambles. Our life has become a shambles. And, it, you know, and this is that particular time in life when those people that respond by saying, well, you create your own reality, you just want to smack them. Which is, by the way, an abuse of a spiritual truth to use that to to somehow slap someone in the face you know to step up and 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 don't grieve this this great loss that they 've experienced in life and it 's important to grieve our losses, so what do we do though when our life has really fallen apart in ways we couldn't possibly have created intentionally um, and The the shamanic piece in here is understanding that we are dreaming our life. And that's not coming at us from a sense of blame or judgment. Well, you create your own reality. It's coming at us from this much, much bigger understanding that we are participating in the dreaming of reality. We are participating in the dreaming of our own life. And if if the dream of our life, the, the life we're living, the reality of it, has become unlivable in some way, we must actually actively engage in re-dreaming. And that's, that's what I'd like to endeavor to talk about here today. And, and the important thing to understand about this is we originally learned to dream as children. That's when we learned to dream reality into form, and we actually can relearn how to do that now. So, so where am I coming from with this? What, what is my point? Well, my point is that as I work with clients, especially clients that have experienced some great tragedy or something that can't be conceived of as anything other than an accident, you know, the sudden and unexpected death of a, of a much-loved spouse or, you know, God forbid, a child losing a child, a child losing a parent. Um, n- nasty, hideous divorces that just shred people's lives and the lives of children. These, these, these kinds of things are actually common. And, and, and what I've noticed, and it's also the kind of thing that ultimately sends a person who never thought they would go to a shaman to a shaman. <laughs> so th- this kind of situation in life is not uncommon in my practice, um, to, 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 To have someone sitting across to me who has experienced extreme loss in life and who has done all the things that our culture tells them to do to work with that, the grieving support groups and their therapist and all of these things. And those things are good things. Loss must be um, felt, experienced, and grief uh, grief ungrieved is one of the main reasons ancestors get stuck here. So we, we must grieve, we must experience our losses and, and all the pain that comes with that. So I'm not criticizing any of the normal things that people would do to deal with these kinds of devastating life situations. That's not my point is there's nothing wrong with that. There's another thing to do. It's an additional thing. Because what I began to see in my practice is someone who basically had outlived their dream now for whatever reason, reasons they felt they had no control over. But the point was the dream they had invested their entire life in dreaming and were actually living, you know, that dream reality matchup was now impossible. It couldn't continue. It it had to change. But the issue was, there was no new dream. Right? So ultimately, what I could see listening to them is that they, they simply can't live the old dream, but they remain immersed in it, because there's no other reality for them to live in. So... Now, some of you would be listening and jump to the psychological assessment that this person is attached to the old dream. Well, of course they are. It's their life. So so, so diminishing it to an attachment issue is very superficial to this understanding that we're talking about. The way in which we get dreamed into existence and then we continue to dream that existence. And then what happens when this existence that's come out of that dream can't be lived anymore? It's impossible because the person is dead or you know something has happened where it is now dead-ended, right? So, so you can't just tell someone uh, to let go of that old dream because – if they're letting go of that old dream, what are they? What are they letting themselves into? Where are they going to go when they let go of reality? That reality. What are they going to go into? And and some people would who think the only path of transformation is through death and the void and the nothing, um, don't understand that this is actually a place of warriorship, where we create the transformation through loving the situation. And I don't mean selfish loving. I mean the warriorship loving, where we're going to now take this reality and redream it, transform it into a reality we now have the opportunity to live. And so the person, in a sense, can't let go of the old life until they have enough of a new life to step into. And that I mean this in this, not in a sense of. I can't move out of this house until I buy a new house. I mean in the sense of I can't begin to let go of this reality until I've begun to dream a new reality for myself and believe in it enough that it's starting to become real and feel – I start to feel its power. And so we're going to talk about doing that. I hope hope that that makes some sense. So – This is the need then, this situation in life, which isn't all that uncommon, is the need for intentional redreaming. So now the reason this feels at all odd to us is because we weren't actually very intentional in our original dreaming actions because we were kids. And this, this dreaming life into reality is a very natural function of a child's life, whether that function is being tended... As it was very, very definitely done in past shamanic cultures, pre-contact shamanic cultures were very intently involved in cultivating in their children an understanding in the child about their power as a dreamer and how their dreams affect their life and their life is affected by what they're dreaming. Now in some cultures, their understanding of that was both nighttime dreams and more this intentional dreaming action that I'm talking about. You know, in English, we only have one word for two very different things. Um, But in other cultures, they weren't so much involved with the nighttime dreaming. It was just more the sense of this visionary capacity in every person because it's an archetypal energy. So this visionary capacity capacity in every person and how our function as dreamers moves through that and, and participates in the manifestation of reality. Literally, the manifestation of reality. And so in in the past, this natural function in the child of being a dreamer and dreaming reality into existence was tended. Today, in the contemporary America at least, that function is largely untended. Um, But nonetheless, the child is dreaming. And the child is manifesting their future reality. And actually shows we just did or I just did about um, why are we afraid to live our life actually talks about this very function in childhood, how how these visionary phases move through us in our in our childhood, when we're very very actively involved in dreaming our reality without really knowing that's what we're doing, and so the reason this idea of intentionally redreaming your life seems so odd to people, is they don't really have any conscious memory of having dreamt it into existence in the first place, because it was just a natural part of childhood, natural function of childhood. So, given that then, we need to keep in mind that other functions that are a natural part of childhood is functioning, for the most part, quite happily in the unknown. You're a kid, you're mostly in a massive phase of learning. I mean, most people who've never had an infant in their midst don't even realize when a child is born, they don't even know their feet belong to them. Or their hands, you know, that they have to poke themselves in their own eyes several times before they realize that finger is theirs and they have control over it. I mean, so, so the, the, the fact that as children, we're in this massive state of learning, and which is a state of functioning almost entirely in the unknown, in, especially in terms of the physical world. So kids live in the unknown. They don't need to know anything before they do it until we start teaching them to be neurotic about that. So another thing that is functioning in the life of a child as they're learning to dream is they're quite happily functioning in the unknown. Another aspect of that is they are also functioning easily in a state of constant uncertainty. Again, because functioning in the unknown and being uncertain are natural components of opening yourself up to learning. And that's what you're doing as a kid, for the most part, is learning how to function in this particular world, for better or for worse. So keep this in mind, because this is a very important aspect if we're going to go into dreaming again. It's important to remember uh, the unknown and uncertainty when we're talking about truly freeing up our inner dreamer. With that said... It also can be said directly that the fear of the unknown and refusing to step into uncertainty will crush your redreaming project. So let me say that again. Your fear of the unknown and your typical adult refusal to step into uncertainty will crush your redreaming. So it's very important to recognize if you want to dream again, you must be willing to function in good relationship with the unknown and be uncertain. The other thing about this, this state of being afraid of the unknown, right, and refusing to step into uncertainty is it puts you in a particular mental state, you are still dreaming reality into existence in that mental state. And so by definition, you will begin dreaming what I call the nightmare dream, where we are actually beginning to create our own nightmare world in our reality. And that that comes almost entirely because we positioned our dreamer in a wrong attitude, an attitude that has this fear of the unknown and is unwilling to engage in uncertainty. And so... So this is one of the things, the damages I think that we do with our sort of over-the-counter self-help kind of supposed psychological wisdom people have is there's this sort of pat acceptance that we're afraid of the unknown as if that makes you normal to be afraid of the unknown. And I would say that from a shamanic perspective, while fear of the unknown is very common side effect – of contemporary American life for example there's also common side effects of pharmaceuticals It's like (laughs) the fact that it's a common side effect doesn't mean that it is normal and it doesn't mean that it's healthy it is not healthy for human beings to have a crippling fear of the unknown because you can't learn in that state and we actually need to be constantly learning so what we need to remember is that we are constantly contributing uh, to the dreaming, always. We are, we are always dreaming. So we're either dreaming a beautiful dream of life for ourselves or we're dreaming a nightmare. And this is the reason our uh, intentionality around dreaming needs to be raised, if you my humble opinion okay so one of the ways then to think about how we're dreaming reality actively is in the stories we tell ourselves and stories are one there are many ways to think about the stories we tell ourselves but the most common story you tell yourself is your explanation about why something has occurred why you feel a certain way why you're acting a certain way why other people are doing a certain thing now these stories may or may not have anything to do with reality But the point is they're the stories you tell yourself. Thus, they are the stories that shape your world. So we're always dreaming something. And so we are engaged. So you can either be engaged in the intentional dreaming of your beautiful life or you can be unconsciously engaged in allowing these stories to tell yourself to do your dreaming for you. And largely that will create uh, kind of a nightmare life. Okay, so let's back up. So let's take a nice deep breath here. And what do I really mean by dreaming reality? Now, there's probably other shows about this where I've talked just about this one concept. So I'm not going to dive too deeply into that. But in in a nutshell, if you look at the origin stories collectively of shamanic people around the world – their stories, which are in, embodied by um, deities and um, great uh, energies and spirits of the earth and the sky and lightning and things like that. Um, the important thing about these origin stories, other than the fact that they actually reflect what we understand scientifically about how the world came into form, how our experience of life came into form, other than that's small interesting fact Um, origin stories basically say the common theme is that the beginning of everything happening was a dream it came out of a dream that nothingness dreamt and out of that dream came the first things into form and that those things dreamt because they were born of the dream. And everything born of this original dream, the Big Bang, everything born of this is a dreamer. So everything, human, animal, vegetable, mineral, everything's dreaming. Everything is part of the fabric of this dream. And, and it, it is talked about in some cultures as the big dream or the dreaming. It is talked about in some cultures as great song. Um, It's talked about in other cultures as a tapestry or something that is being woven. The point is it is so vast in its functioning, we don't actually have a good word for it at all. It's all of these things at once. Um, One of the things I love about the Shipibo people is that their sense of songs and weaving being exactly the same thing as a way of – Translating energy patterns that are invisible into form um, is is deeply embedded in their cultural awareness so here here you have a an entire culture of people that understand uh, this energy, whether we call it a dream or a pattern or a song it 's all the same thing it 's all the same energy which we don't have a very good word for okay so the The important thing that shamanic creation stories tell us is that. We are born of a dream and we are dreamers. Now, what that means then, and this is the tricky bit for contemporary people, what that means is the dream happens first, then reality happens. So flailing around like most of us do in our 20s, oh my God, am I ever going to live my dreams? Am I ever going to live my dreams? Is a nonsense question from a shamanic perspective. You can't not live your dreams. The question is, what are you dreaming given what you are manifesting in life and what have you dreamt in the past that is manifesting the life you are living and the understanding on top of that that we are dreaming together. Not just all of us as humans, all of life, everything. So that's the basic understanding of what I'm talking about now about dreaming and then our need for re-dreaming. So then these, these stories then that we tell ourselves about life become the way we are programming our dreamer. So if I tell myself a story uh, that may be psychologically based on the fact that I was never able, and I'm just making this up, but I was never able to uh, successfully fe- feel like I received my father's love, which of course has everything to do with your father and nothing to do with you. Right, But if that's the story that comes out of this, so the story that would come out of this experience is I never was able to uh, successfully receive my father's love, therefore I am unlovable. So the story you start telling yourself is that I am unlovable. And then that story begins to program the dream and the dream begins to manifest situations and people and things in life that feed that story back to you, that prove then that you are unlovable. And so the important thing then about being a dreamer is understanding your stories are shaping your reality because they're programming your dreamer. So you need to tend your stories. And then of course, what you believe has great power and takes on greater shape in reality. So the more you believe your story, the more powerful it gets in manifesting in reality. So, if you're intending, if you're working at your with your crystals and you're manifesting through your um, secret, you read the secret, and now you're manifesting abundance in your life, right? But if you hold a deeper story that's programming your dreamer that you are unworthy, it's not going to work, because the way to manifest what the secret's really talking about is that we manifest through truly accessing the dream not only in embedding it with the stories we want to manifest but actually going in and clearing out the stories we don't want to be manifesting so another so one way to approach this since most of you aren't going to come and do the cycle of manifestation cycle of transformation with me and learn how to do this intentionally so one very simplistic but powerful way to do this is look around you to see what your life reflects back to you. What stories do you hear yourself telling yourself about why what is happening is happening? Now, granted, that's a consciousness process and makes you aware of the stories you're telling yourself. But basically, what you see and the stories you tell about that pretty much reflect the stories you're embedding in your dreamer. It's pretty good, you know. It's a, it's a place to start. It'll give you more than enough to work with over the long winter here in the northern hemisphere. So, so that's you and your storytelling, right? But we're also collectively dreaming. So, the, so the other storytellers are then. Um, okay, so let me be sure. I, did, I just said this directly. The storyteller participates in programming the dream. Right? That's why the stories we tell are important. Okay, so the storytellers then are our own stories, our conscious stories. I am worthy. I am lovable. You know, these stories we're telling ourselves. But also our unconscious stories, the stories that are coming out from our shadow selves, the stories that are coming out because of our soul loss, and the psychological stories that we tell. And I find this really fascinating because by the time a story is in our psychological awareness, it's actually in our awareness. And so it could be transformed on the spot. What's interesting to me is how much energy people put into telling and retelling the same story they already know is the reason they're not manifesting the life they want. So one of the things I see emerging from one sort of facet or some school of psycho psychology or something is is people who say it this way you know i've got this story about and they and they refer to the story they have about something that happened when they were a child and and that's their explanation for why they do blah 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 another way that people speak about it is about the, it's this sort of ownership of their issues my father issues or my abandonment issues or my Whatever issues. And this is a way of talking about another collection of stories. So there's, there's these unconscious stories that we tell ourselves. There are also today, another big issue in the dreaming function of our lives is the way in which the dead the unresolved ancestors those who are not ancestral helping spirits but they are no longer living the way their unresolved stories live on through us influence us and thus continue to influence the dreaming so for example if you wanted to end war we would need to go back And tend all of the ancestors stuck in that human reality no matter what side they are on and cross every single one of them over after we help them reconcile what is unreconciled in the life. And we need to work our way back through every war, all of the wars, back to the first war. And we could do that actually shamanically. Uh, Can be done. Perhaps will be done. But the important thing to understand is until it's done. These unresolved ancestral energies influence the story. And then, of course, the other thing would be stories you're told from your family, from your school. Um, It's why bullying is so damaging when it's really in this excessive state. It's manifesting in these days. It's a big story that kids are inundated with because they have the vehicle now to bully people through social media. So it's just a barrage of constant input. Um, Family um school religion and your culture the stories of the time the stories of your culture these things all um feed into this your storyteller the stories you tell and how that programs the dreamer so now the important thing to understand as we kind of back up now back to the child and 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 learning to vision again or dream again like a child is remembering this one really simple thing. Children just dreamt. They daydream, they dream of their life. They say, I'm gonna be a fireman. Um, I'm gonna be a veterinarian. Um, they see some really cool person doing something like loading the truck and they go, I'm gonna be a truck driver. <laughs> Much to their parents dismay. But anyway, the point is they vision freely. What grown-ups do is they vision And then they move directly from the vision into asking, what does that mean? What job should I look for? What da da da? -da 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 And they there's there's they crush the vision basically. Because they're not willing to let the vision exist in this realm of the unknown and being in uncertainty. And this is the great fear. Of dreaming and redreaming is we don't want to go into the unknown and the uncertainty and just because I don't want to run out of time to say this the one gift in, in 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 gross as in large you know gross trauma in life the death of a child coming back from time at war hideous messy divorces these things that are just devastating in life is that in many ways it's already brought you to your knees It's already brought you to the realization that the unknown and uncertainty are right there beside you. And the three of you, unknown on one side and uncertainty on the other, are looking right into the void. Because life as you knew it has ended. And and if we can cultivate that place and understand it as this amazingly rich place for dreaming out of, Instead of doing everything we possibly can to claw our way out of it because it's too painful. But if we can work with the pain as the pain, work with the emotions as the emotions, but be with the unknown and the uncertainty and the void, it's an enormously potent place to redream your life. And, and the only gift or one of the big gifts in this life devastation is it puts us back in that place as we were as children naturally it puts us back in that place from an adult spec perspective somewhat unnaturally but there we are faced with the void not knowing what the hell to do with our life the life we've been living is ended and if we can kind of reach out and draw the unknown in closer on one side and uncertainty on the other and 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 begin again it's juicy juicy place to redream from so what is this so what does this look like then so an example would be like the kinds of things i see in my practice fall into a few categories one would be the person who has lost an important person in their life that makes their reality the reality that it is so a beloved spouse um, through some sudden death or uh, unexpected illness but this this reality that the couple shares is in a sense ended by the loss of the spouse. The other thing would be a family that's moving along as the family does lose suddenly with the death of a child, which affects not only the parents, but also the siblings. Right. And so the story of that family life has been ended. This is no longer a story of two parents and three children. It's now the story of two parents and one child. And so so what this what this looks like then in the cl- client and and let's assume this is this is in this place where grieving healing emotional work has been done that that maybe soul retrievals have already happened that that there's a great deal of repair that has already occurred around the trauma of the incident where people often get stuck is how do i move on how how do i Create a new life when I was just living the life I wanted. I was just living the life that I dreamt of. So, in this case, one of the most important steps to make is to create a relationship with the one that you have lost that accepts reality. So, you create a relationship. I mean, assuming those who have died have crossed over, you create a relationship with them that is akin to you creating a relationship with a helping spirit, of an ancestral helping spirit. So what's important is to not stay because what that does, it allows you to make a bridge from this place of life shared to this unspeakable loss and to bridge that into the, the new shape of the relationship. And this is not in the sense of being attached and hanging on to what it was, but truly creating an idea for the new relationship that it is, which of course involves this person not being here in form and, and utter and complete acceptance the person is dead and gone. And and with that done, then there's a possibility to begin to redream the family relationship because the family is here present in reality and it needs a healthy dream to go forward in and it can't go forward in the old dream because the old dream can't exist. So another one is how do we re re-dream a life of love and relationship after a particularly nasty, divisive or inequitable divorce? Sometimes this is a breakup of an engagement and and what I see with the client is it's not so much in this, as it was in the story above where this life that's been manifest now can't be lived anymore, this family life. It's more about the fact that the person's dream of love, their dream of relationship, that they, they've actually been unintention- unconsciously dreaming since childhood. That dream, as a child, didn't have a person, uh, a specific person in it. It just had kind of generic partner in it. And then when we meet our partner that we choose, then our dream, that generic partner, takes on the person's face, the person's being. And so as we dream this dream going forward, the dream is now attached to the person, the specific person. And we don't understand that it's our dream. It doesn't really matter who's in partner. It's still your dream. And I can still remember this one client that was so devastated by this divorce she had gone through. And what I finally understood is that he, in in whatever the mechanics of this relationship were, the functionally, he had taken her dream for relationship with him. I'm not saying he did that intentionally. It's just somehow in her story, he took her whole dream for relationship with him So she, and she had no new dream for relationship. So what she wanted was simply gone and she could never have it again. And that's the state she was in. And in a sense, the story she was beginning to tell herself. And so the journey that we did was um, a journey in which we went back To steal her dream back from him. Which in in this particular case. It was necessary for her. To to be the thief. Because in a sense she felt that he had stolen it from her. And she needed to steal it back. To re-empower herself to dream again. So she steals the dream back. And so now she's got this dream with him in it. Right? And now she doesn't want it. Because he's in it. And she doesn't want him. Right? And so the funny thing was she couldn't get the fact she didn't want the dream until she stole it back and realized that he was still stuck in it. And so then she was actually able basically to plow the dream under and re-dream. But it wasn't until she stole her original dream back that she could, in a sense, use it to become the fertilizer, the nourishment for her next act of dreaming. And I'm not saying... That would always play out that way. I just thought it was one of the most interesting versions of this: this, this, not allowing the person that's become uh, taken on the role in our dream to to be the collapse of our whole dream. That that place of the partner can become neutral again. Doesn't have to have that person in it, and you can redream your dream from there. Now, of course, the other place that this happens in a really big way is when people go off to war and experience uh, that journey into that level of violence, and then this can also this this experience in this person that has gone to war and experienced that level of violence um, can also then begin to seep into the stories of dreaming of the people around them that love them because we are not doing much of anything as a culture to assist those who come back from war with re-dreaming their life because one particular thing that really occurs, this is a little bit of a problem I think for people that are police officers as well, is this, this core knowing of the goodness in humanity um, gets destroyed. And it, it, particularly when someone goes into war, it's almost like we, we have to destroy it to be able to do what must be done in battle. Now, we can debate whether battles must happen and whether war needs to happen. That's an entirely different issue. Nonetheless, my stance is these people are coming back from this situation and they must be tended. And the issue of whether anyone should be going to war is a, is a, is a related but a different issue. So, intending these people, it's exactly the same thing. How do we help veterans, people that have experienced war, where their their understanding of the core goodness of humanity and frankly their own humanity has been trashed? How do we help them redream life where the very kind of the core energies that inspire us to dream in the first place have been destroyed? So even with just these 3 examples and if I sat here a little bit longer I could probably figure out 3 more and 3 more and 3 more these examples of how we get to these places in life these are really common places in contemporary life where we need to redream So how do we redream So the working elements of redreaming in the human the big working elements of redreaming in a human are your mind your heart and your actions. So then the issues that arise with those elements are alignment and resonance and integrity. And then the support that we have for our elements and the issues that arise is art or expression. Our ancestral helping spirits and gratitude or, or understanding the need for an exchange of energy. Okay. So, the working elements of redreaming. So the first, so this is the mind, the heart, and our actions. Okay. So the function of the mind in dreaming. There there are many functions of the mind in dreaming. And some of the functions will depend um on some of your intuitive capacities as well. But if we leave out someone's intuitive capacity to actually plug into the big dreaming. Some people have a a greater ability to actually tune into the bigger energies going on here than others. Most people who do misinterpret it though because we're not training them to understand what those energies are. But anyway, my point is for an everyday, average, ordinary person who doesn't consider themselves particularly, specially gifted in their intuition. You're just a regular person with a regular mind and regular intuition. Okay, so then your job of your mind in redreaming is to be able essentially to paint the picture in your mind of the old dream based on the reality you created. I mean, that's relatively easy because the reality is right there for you to look at, or at least it was, right? And then to discern for yourself what you want to be different in the redreaming of this life, what what do you want to be changed or what must be changed? For example, in the death of someone the dream must be changed. Okay. And, and let me say something very you know, practical here. Let's imagine you were happily married to a lovely spouse who died unexpectedly and suddenly, and you're still you know, young and ready to go forward with another spouse. The absolute death of any future relationships is holding on to the old dream of the relationship you had with that person. That dream, that dream, that relationship cannot be recreated. It was the gift that you got for whatever time you got it. And as sad as it may be to let that go, to move on with your redreaming, you can't just try to substitute a new person into that place. You need to really, really go into that place deep within yourself. And how you've been changed by the death of this loved one and redream a life that may have some of the functions of your old relationship but is not just comparing everybody you meet with the old relationship or, or every possible relationship with the old one. So you can still have functions in it that worked like good communication, great sex, whatever, right? But that's the sure death of the all possible future relationships is refusing to redream the relationship. And so every person that comes into your life is being compared to the old wonderful relationship. Okay, so the mind's job is the vision. To become clear what was, what is, what needs to be different, how are we going forward. The heart's action is to imagine yourself in that vision and what it will feel like, how the energy will move, what what to give it emotion, to give it um, sensual quality, passionate quality, pleasurable quality, texture, color, to make it alive with feeling and emotion and love. and then the action issue is to align your actions in your life. With this, the feelings and the vision. So it's not just the vision itself, but the feeling you have as you imagine yourself living in the vision. And I, this is incredibly important because, for for example, in my own life, in my um, intimate relationship, the truth of the matter is my vision was completely wrong, but I got the heart feeling right. And so when I recognized I was in all the qualities of what it would feel like to be in that relationship, then I just dropped my idea of what that was going to look like and went with the feeling. It's completely opposite, frankly, of what I thought it would look like. And so it's important to understand that the feeling piece is incredibly important. And then to align your actions with that manifestation of the feeling And the vision. And that also means not only aligning your new actions with it, but it also means looking at actions you do that are contrary and ferreting out why you're doing that and releasing that. And so it's not just about new, new, new. It's also about looking at the old and understanding what do I need to stop doing and how do I stop doing it so that I can align myself with my heart and my vision. Okay, so that's the working elements of redreaming. Looking at the old dream, crafting the new dream, what does it feel like, and how do I align my actions in my life to manifest it? Okay. The issues that arise, then, in particular, are first and foremost for contemporary people alignment. We are distracted. Most of us have too many things going on. Most of us are not spending enough time in restoration and cultivation and things like redreaming, And so we, we have a very hard time doing what it takes to align the mind and the heart and our actions. And we have a million excuses and those excuses are stories. And those stories are programming the dream so that you are less and less able to do what you're trying to do. So alignment is a critical step. It is a disciplinary step with yourself. It is also a step that is a right use of control. It takes a great deal of mental control to do this. And for those of you that have developed fabulous art of being controlling, understand that your mind is where you're meant to be doing that. Is to control your mind and your um, and thus controlling your actions as you move towards the manifestation of the vision. So uh, alignment. Another issue is resonance. One of the things you really wanna notice in re-dreaming is if this dream you've redreamed has resonance with the greater dream around you. And I don't necessarily mean does it make your friends happy? I mean, does it seem supported by the bigger world in which you live? In other words, does your little dream resonate with the great song, with the big dream? with that original dream that's dreaming everything into existence. And so there's a sense of whether your little current you're creating in your life is moving you into the big flow of life, of of supporting all life, or does it feel um, agitated or resistant to that? And that's an important thing to look at. And you may only be able to look at that shamanically. It kind of depends on your skill set. And then the other piece is integrity. Does the dream you are dreaming have integrity with where your soul wants to go? So, for example, one of the things that happens sometimes with vets is that they, they get somewhat identified with the, with the fact that vets often come back with a deep need for healing. And there's sort of an identification with being these sort of broken vets. And yet their soul really wants to move forward into becoming these mature warriors, which you only come to through being able to move through that broken place and finding the healing and manifesting as a mature warrior. So this is, this is one scenario. I'm not saying everybody does that, but it's one scenario that can happen. Um, Another issue it happens a lot with women, just because of the nature of biology and heterosexual relationships. But often women experience a great deal of um, health problems with a certain partner, and that they don't want to accept because they're they're railroading this vision. They don't want to accept that their body is telling them this cannot work. This is not the right person for you. It's not that it's a bad person. It's not the right person for you. And they they override the message coming from the body that this isn't a healthy pairing. So those are just examples of where we're not noticing whether this dream, this head, heart, dream we've got going is really resonating with the deeper dreaming coming out of our soul. And so finally... Um, the support for our efforts to redream. One of the main supporting things you have is art—the expression of sound, of dance, and of art, um, collaging, um, putting up butcher paper on a wall somewhere in the garage or whatever—and and just. Painting it, constantly working as an expression of what the vision is until you feel like you've created something that communicates back to you where you want to go, even if it's utterly and completely only on the level that art communicates, that it doesn't make any sense yet in your mind, but you look at it and your own senses, I want to be that, I want to live there. So and the beauty of artistic expression is you can keep easily reshaping the vision until you tune it in and keep working at it and it's kind of like a full body expression of it. So the next aspect of support that you have is your ancestral helping spirits. This is their particular strength in life as helping spirits in, ex- in assisting humans in life and in the relationship between the life you are living and what you are dreaming. And finally, the last piece of support is gratitude, is noticing what is happening as you are redreaming, noticing every little moment that that new dream is emerging, and giving gratitude for that. It's not the full dream yet, the giving thanks for every little bud, every little step, every little piece along the way, because gratitude and noticing starts to put you in a circular exchange with the manifestation that is life manifesting you, you manifesting life. And so if I don't notice any of it happening until it's fully present in my life, then I'm not engaging with all the little steps that have to happen along the way. And so my gratitude, my practice of gratitude is the simplest way to begin to get into this circular exchange of energy with life, with reality, with a dream. And my place in all of those circles of energy just to simply give thanks and to notice what has happened. Because when when things are noticed and acknowledged and loved and appreciated, they want to return to us more and more. And our, and because they return to us more and more, we begin to believe in them more and more. And when we believe in them, the stronger they get and the more so, and the more solid that step becomes so that we are able to open up to the clarity and the possibility of the next step on that journey. So thank you everyone for listening here today. I give thanks to the ancestral helping spirits for helping us to dream, to re-dream, and helping us in every day to live. I give thanks to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you everyone for listening. Have a great week.